2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, the Bible says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. In Genesis chapter 50, verse 15, Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead. They said, Joseph will peradventure hate us, will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall he say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. Now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. His brethren also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring as it is this day to save much people alive. So we study the life of Joseph. We see in him a faith that was able to help him through each one of these circumstances. He was sold to slavery, then falsely accused and thrown into jail and then forgotten. Never do we see his faith wavering. There's always a confidence. There was always a trust. There was always... The knowledge that God was sovereign and God was in control and God was going to perform his will. So when his brethren witnessed the death of their father, Jacob, they think, well, Joseph forgave us because of dad. Once dad is gone, he'll seek revenge, he'll throw us in jail or kill us. And when they come, throwing themselves upon the mercy of Joseph, they didn't realize this was a man of faith. Faith that held no vindictiveness in his heart. A faith that said, listen, I have not only forgiven you, I understand God had a purpose in all of this. God was accomplishing his purpose through this series of circumstances, although humanly speaking, it, it looked bleak, it looked dark, it looked like nothing good was going to happen. God took something that was meant for evil and he used it for good. Now, here's what I want you to see tonight. A lot of times, we talk about faith, but if we took a better look, we'd understand really most of us live by sight. And I want you to think about three words tonight. Hindsight, insight, and foresight. I'm really convinced that Joseph, as he looked back over his life, from the very beginning, his faith, his actions, his works, his forgiveness wasn't based on hindsight. He's not looking back and saying, oh, God used bad circumstances for good. Now I understand that. You know, we often do. In hindsight, we look back and get puffed up in pride, thinking that we knew something 20 years ago that we just learned. Hindsight is very deceiving. It plays with our memory. Because actually, I'd call it the hindsight bias, where it's a memory distortion. And we think after viewing the outcome that we really knew how things were going to go, but we're looking back. And especially if we're looking back on someone else's life, we can easily point the finger and say, you know, if you would have done this and that differently, if you would have changed your direction, if you would have listened to him, if you would have come to me, it's all hindsight. And when... Joseph 
sits down with his brethren and he offers them forgiveness and he makes his statement in verse 20. Ye thought evil against me. God meant it for good. This wasn't something he was looking back and saying in hindsight, but something he had lived from the first moment he was sold into slavery. When he was sitting there in the pit, he was not in a pit of depression, but in a physical pit that they had thrown him into. When he sold into slavery, he wasn't a slave to depression. He wasn't a slave to anger or bitterness. But rather, even at that moment, he was saying, God has a purpose in this. And here's what faith is. A real faith, a living faith, a biblical faith, works just as well in the bad times as it does in the good times. Faith is not hindsight. Matter of fact, hindsight often works against us. Now, I want you to think about the unlikelihood of this story in this circumstance for just a minute. Because when we're talking about Joseph becoming the leader or second only to Pharaoh there in Egypt, we're talking about improbabilities that we couldn't even calculate. Okay, tell me that Pharaoh one day was going to pick a man to plan for a disaster, a famine there in the land of Egypt, and he was going to go find an ex-con. We're talking about someone that had served hard time. Maybe eight, ten years. Hard time. Someone with a record, someone with a past, someone whose criminal record read violent crime. Now you tell me, as a foreigner, as a slave, as an ex-con, with a past, with a record, an outsider, there was any chance he was going to be chosen to be second to Pharaoh. No experience at all in the palace government never participated in politics on any level didn't even know pharaoh and he ends up in the palace now here's what we do in hindsight we say and we read oh god had a plan how we talk about joseph when we read about him and we tell our kids the story in sunday school classes and in junior clubs we tell them about the great joseph and how god brought him up and exalted him and gave him this position and used him to save egypt from a great famine but we really don't take time to look at the story and understand what's going on. We're talking about a man from a different country sold into slavery and there while serving in the house of Potiphar, falsely accused, accused of rape, attempted rape, thrown into jail, serving hard time. What is the likelihood of that man ever stepping foot into the palace? So when he says here at the end of his dad's life, when he passes away and his brothers come scared out of their wits, thinking now Joseph is going to seek revenge, they don't understand in the depths of Joseph there is a faith that has endured these circumstances. Listen, when he was thrown in jail, there was no hindsight. There was a promise. When he's put in the house of Potiphar working as a slave, he has no hindsight other than the fact that his brothers are mean and cruel and sold him. He has God's word, God's promise, that's it. Now, what keeps him working hard every day? What keeps him speaking of God and talking to others about the Almighty? It was a faith that was deeply ingrained in him. 
Now I want you to think for a minute. Especially those of you that are over 40 or 45, 50 years old. Now you've been given a gift to your detriment called hindsight. And I want to address this tonight and I want you to be focused. Because I don't know how to explain this, but I know it's a problem. I know the Holy Spirit has led me to preach on it. Satan has so many different tools and this is an amazing tool in his bag because now you're looking back on your life, your Christian life, and now you're noticing mistakes that you made while living by faith. And hindsight, instead of helping you, is hurting you. You stepped out by faith when you were 18, you were 20, you were 25. You got saved. I don't care what age you were. You were zealous for the Lord. You were without knowledge, but you began to grow in the Lord. And you took all that zeal without knowledge to the work of God. You might have even took, taken it to a ministry. You put it in your marriage. You put it in your child rearing. All that energy, all that zeal, all that vigor, all that life. Not perfect, but full of faith. And you obeyed as much as you could. You learned as much as you could. You grew as fast as you possibly could, although imperfect. You begin to put things into place, not as a second-generation Christian, but as a first-generation Christian. Not having grown up in this environment, but learning what Christianity was all about. Maybe memorizing Scripture for the first time at 30 years of age. Going soul-winning for the first time at 35. Preaching for the first time at 40. Rearing children is a godly mother and father for the very first time now that your young people were teenagers. You had those youngins and you didn't know what you were doing. You came to church and you absorbed everything you could. You listened, you read, you studied, you sought counsel by faith. Yes, you did some things wrong, but you didn't know it at the moment. I wish the Holy Spirit would have told me that. You were already overwhelmed with the things the Holy Spirit was showing you. But at some point, your ministry developed, your kids grew up, and life came together, and now you look back. Hindsight's 2020. And now Satan has convinced you to take every day and to be guided by and held hostage, made miserable. Live depressed by a monster called hindsight. And it's attacking your faith or it's replaced faith. Because you're not living now each day by faith. You're living life by hindsight and saying, I wish I could change this if I had only done that. And the very faith that's guided you this far is now being undermined because you're walking by sight, hindsight. And now you feel like you're an expert. You're not. Not an expert in the sense that you did everything right, but an expert now that you can look back, analyze, and identify where you went wrong. Let me tell you, that's impossible. Number one, your memory is not good enough to actually go back 20 years. There are too many details you've forgotten. There are too many circumstances you don't even remember. There are too many things that happen that you'll never even know about. It doesn't matter. Faith doesn't live in the past. Hindsight does. Faith lives today, throwing itself upon God's mercy, God's grace, God's power, and God's favor. But Satan has got you to live troubled by hindsight. Well, if you would have done this, 
let me tell you the real problem. You are made of flesh and bone. You are frail. You are weak. You failed yesterday, you failed today, and you'll fail tomorrow. And if you could go back, which you cannot do, you would still make mistakes because you do today. You lived yesterday by faith, and now the very day you live by faith, Satan is using to undermine your faith. Joseph was not living in hindsight not tortured by it, nor guided by it, but rather saying, I lived in the pit by faith. I lived in Potiphar's house by faith. I made it through prison by faith. I didn't make every decision a right one. There were still failings. There were shortcomings. There were mistakes, and people were affected in a negative way. And thank God, God didn't highlight all of those. God highlighted those that were helped. Do you think Joseph honestly lived 13 perfect years by faith? No, it was glossed over in chapter 39 by these words, God's favor. You know what you ought to do by faith? Say, can you imagine those 20 years without God's blessing and God's favor? Instead of being tortured by your mistakes, you ought to shout and jump and praise the Lord and kick sand in the devil's face and say if it weren't for God and if it weren't for his grace and if it weren't for those years living by faith uh, my life would have been a disaster now, hindsight makes us feel important everybody in life wants to be a psychologist and they sit down and talk to themselves they put themselves in the psychologist's chair and talk to me now let's go back to your teenage years Let's review what happened early in your marriage. Let's talk about after you were just born again. Would you stop it already? That's not of God. That's not going to help you. Joseph looked back. Do you think there was not a single day when he was not angry? He was not frustrated. He was not concerned about his circumstances. He was not sitting back saying, has God forgotten me? What's going on? Am I going to be here forever? Maybe, maybe Joseph sat back and said, did I really have to be there 12 years? Did I slow down the process? Was it the fact that I wasn't learning my lesson soon enough? Why did God have me there for 12 or 13 years? Was it because I wasn't learning the lesson he was trying to teach me? Yeah, he could have done the very thing that most Christians do. Tortured by hindsight. Well, you know, if I had made my brothers mad. When I told him the dream, I didn't have to do it like that. I could have kept it to myself. I was proud. I was haughty. I just threw it out there on the table. I made even my dad upset. It's no wonder they sold me as a slave. You know, I didn't have to be in that house. I shouldn't have worked that way. I probably brought that attention on by Potiphar's wife, and I put myself in a bad situation. And now, look, I'm paying the consequence of a bad decision. I'll probably rot in this jail. Did you know everyone in this room can torture themselves? the monster called hindsight you allow that monster room in your life you cannot live by faith hindsight is still living by sight we walk not by sight but by faith well this is hindsight go back with me to chapter 49 
Actually, you can find examples in this chapter of hindsight, insight, and foresight. We won't use this chapter for all three examples. Jacob is 147. Joseph is 56. Benjamin is 39. Here's what Jacob has done. He's brought all of his boys together. He's dying. Can you imagine their anxiety as they go into the room, wondering what is about, ready to be revealed, said, recommended, handed out? Who's going to be blessed? Who's going to be cursed? What is dad going to say? Verse 1, Jacob called to his sons and said, Gather yourselves together that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. Now, can you remember, they're rehearsing in their minds all these years that they'd spent with dad in the wilderness, setting up these tents, huge tents for 20 to 25 people to sleep in. He had taught them where the watering holes were at and how their levels changed during the year. He taught them about herding sheep and oxen and goats and how to handle mules and horses. All of this were going through their minds. And I think probably the biggest thing that was weighing heavy in their hearts was what they had done to Joseph. Because they remembered all those days that daddy had spent holding that coat that they had tossed in the dirt and ripped apart and thrown blood on. And dad had never let that go. Never stop crying. And they could remember all those days dad would spend in solitude weeping over the death of his son. So now they're all gathered together. Look what Jacob does. He said, gather yourselves together that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. Gather yourselves together. Hear ye sons of Jacob. Hearken unto Israel your father. Reuben, this is the firstborn. Reuben, thou art my firstborn, my might, the beginning of my strength, the excellence of dignity. The excellence of power and his chest begins to puff out and his head goes back and he's thinking, praise the Lord, I'm getting the birthright. But he should have caught wind of what was going to happen by the first phrase when he said, thou art my firstborn, the beginning of my strength, because from here it all goes downhill. He says, unstable is water, thou shalt not excel. And he didn't. You look at the life of Reuben and the tribe of Reuben, they never excelled in anything. They're the first ones to ask for their land and they received it just on the wrong side of Jordan. There was no judge, no prince, no accomplishment. Nothing good ever came out of Reuben. He never excelled unstable as water, that's not a good way to be described. Have you ever seen a creek come down the side of a mountain? As crooked as a Colorado creek. That can describe many Christians that are as unstable as water. You see a young person constantly going downhill, seeking his own level, unstable as water, Quick to freeze, quick to boil. Unstable is water, Reuben. Thou shalt not excel. And then he revealed something maybe the rest of his brothers didn't know. It was written in Scripture in chapter 35, verse 22. He reminds him, Thou wentest up to thy father's bed. Jacob had married Rachel and Leah. Rachel was barren and she had a handmaid named Bilhah. She couldn't have children. She gave her handmaid to Jacob. 
And at some point, Reuben had slept with his father's handmaid. And he said, you're unstable. You know what this is? Is daddy speaks to the boys? Hindsight. All parents have hindsight. All parents look back at their children and say, I wish I would have done that a little differently. You know, I wish I would have known. Now we look back, we wish that we would have had 20 years of experience raising children before we ever started raising them. Explain that to me. There are all things that we beat ourselves over the head with. There are all mistakes that have been made that we wish we would have corrected sooner. And he's looking at his boys. This one kind of had, if you look at Reuben, kind of had a dual personality. You know, while he's participating in everything that's happening with Joseph at the same time, he's concerned for his safety. Let's do it. What'd you do? You weren't too rough with him. There was just an instability there. Simeon and Levi, verse 5, are brethren. Instruments of cruelty are in their habitations. Now, this is the case when you put two guys together and it just wasn't a good combination. Simeon and Levi by themselves were not evil, but together they were a bad pair. Instruments of cruelty, they were the ones that when their sister was raped, they went in and slew all the men of Shechem. How many of you remember the story? Now, you know what? was taking place here's a dad looking back in hindsight speaking of things that were done prophesying of their future reminiscing and probably with great pain and an anxiety saying your future has been hurt because your father messed up in rearing you, and in your youth I made mistakes that now cannot be corrected, and you'll carry that and pass that on to your children. That's called hindsight. And as Joseph looks at his brethren, he's not looking back. And here's what most people think when he makes the statement, you meant it for evil, God meant it for good. That was not hindsight. He had lived that and believed that, from the very first day he had left home and was thrown in the pit, was thrown into prison, he said God has a purpose here. That's what kept him afloat. That's what kept him from becoming bitter and angry. That's what kept him speaking of God. That's what helped him interpret the dreams. That's what helped him save Egypt. It was a faith that kept blocking out hindsight. And if you're over 45, you're over 50. You better face this monster head on and say, I cannot allow myself to live controlled by, frustrated by, upset and depressed by hindsight. That'll attack your faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. Who in here doesn't have a regret? Who in here isn't pained by a bad decision in their past? You raised that child by faith. You had limited knowledge. You walked with God. You made decisions by faith. But at some point, that child became 
an adult. I didn't teach them to smoke. Why are they smoking? I didn't teach them to drink. Why are they drinking? I didn't teach them to miss church. Why are they unfaithful to the house of God? Do you really think you have the power to overcome human nature? Do you really think you can do more than the Holy Spirit can do? Do you really think you can change a man when the word of God did not? Do you really think you're strong enough in your absence, you're still strong enough to dictate the actions of their free will? Hindsight is undermining your faith. And it's going to do, either way, it's going to do harm to your Christian walk. Because it's either going to lift you up in pride if your hindsight is looking back on someone else's life. And as you stand there and say, here's what you should have done. That's a good moment just to be quiet. They know what they should have done now. And you also have defective memory. And things aren't quite the way you remember them to be. But here's what I do know. There is not a person in here that is exempt and can say, I reared perfect children, had a perfect marriage, made perfect decisions. Let that man stand and come behind this pulpit. And if you have young children, listen, mine, thank God, are still under 18, and I still hit the panic button about every other day, and I fall on my face before God, and I say, God, please, please keep my kids pure. Please keep them clean. Please keep them right. Please keep them away from temptation. Please keep them from the wrong influences in their life. Please keep them safe. Please give them a heart for you. Oh, God, keep them in your perfect will. Thank God at this moment I can stand up and say, despite the mistakes that I've made, all three of them are in church. But they have to be. All three of them are doing right. That's because they live under my roof. All three of them love God. That doesn't guarantee me next week, next month, next year, or the next decade. But as you stand here, Satan will get you to begin to make comparisons. Say, how is it? How is it that that turned out so well and this turned out so awful? I'll tell you how it is. It's called human nature. And while you love God and made sacrifices and did right, I wish we could have rolled out the flesh, the devil, and the world, but we couldn't. And all three of those enemies were alive and active and fighting against you and for everything you tried to do right. This world did something to oppose it, and Satan was right there to beat it down, and the flesh was strong. And I wish we could have eliminated those influences, but we can't. Now we weep in hindsight. Most of us in this room have wept in hindsight, thinking, if only I would have or could have done something differently, you could not have done anything to overcome the flesh of the devil in the world. Don't think for a second that you're the model parent. Whether that be success or failure, you have a model God. That's it. Thank God for those that had the opportunity to do right and did right. But you cannot live by faith walking by hindsight. Go with me to chapter 40 
there's a monster called foresight. Let me just tell you this. Foresight is not faith. Faith is not based on foresight. Foresight is the perception of the significance and nature of events before they have occurred. Let me repeat that. Foresight is the perception of the significance and nature of events before they have occurred. Now, some people naturally have more foresight than others. There are people that tend to live in the past. That's called hindsight. There are people that tend to live today, the present, and they normally have insight. And those that live thinking and preparing for the future have foresight. We often, depending on our nature and the way we live, like to pat ourselves on the back, either for our hindsight, our insight, our foresight, not even realizing those things interfere with our faith and the walk of faith. And here's someone with foresight, what they do, because they have some kind of prudence dealing with the future and looking forward to the future and preparing for the future. They consider themselves wise. Now I want you to look at Joseph here in Genesis chapter 40, starting at verse 12. He's in prison. Now he's still living by faith. And when these two men dream, the butler and the baker, he says and asks them in verse 8, aren't interpretations of God, don't they belong to God? I'm sure he'll help us interpret this. Now look what it says in verse 12. Joseph said to him, this is the interpretation of it, the three branches, speaking of the butler's dream, the three branches are three days. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thine head, restore thee unto thy place, and thou shalt deliver Pharaoh's cup into his hand after the former manner when thou wast his butler. But think on me when it shall be well with thee, and show kindness, I pray thee, unto me. Make mention of me unto Pharaoh, and bring me out of this house. For indeed I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews. And here also have I done nothing that they should put me into this dungeon. Go down to verse 20. And it came to pass the third day when, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast unto all his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief butler and of the chief baker among his servants. He restored the chief butler unto his butlership again, and he gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand, but he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Verse 23. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forget him. Let me ask you something. Did Joseph not have great foresight? That was a gift of God. It was God that was showing him how to prepare for the future and help others prepare for the future. But be careful, he was not walking by foresight. And I know many Christians who have exchanged faith for foresight. Now that they have a little life experience, now that they've suffered the consequence of poor decisions, now that they've seen and, and experienced a little bit of success, now that they've put their marriage together and, and raised a few godly children, now that they've made some money and bought a house, and now they've even studied the book of Revelation and they know about the coming of the Antichrist and things that are going to happen and prophecy being fulfilled. They know about the value of gold, the collapse of the dollar. 
Good investments in the stock market. Cars to avoid. Makes and models not to buy. They can tell you a little bit about maintenance on a car and poor investments. Now they have a little bit of foresight. So who needs faith? I don't want to take any risks. Faith means risk. Sowing means risk. Giving means risk. Sacrificing. Investing in missions means risk. Taking on a new ministry means risk. Pastor, don't talk to me about verses. Let me tell you about foresight. Now let me ask you this. Who had more foresight in all the Bible than Joseph and Daniel? But was Joseph living on foresight? He said, listen, this is what's going to happen. The king, Pharaoh's going to take you out. He's going to have a party. He's going to restore you to your position. And when you get out, would you do me a favor? You know, one day when you're talking to the king, mention my name and let him know that I was the one that foretold what was going to happen. You know, throw a little bread my way. Now, when he got out and things went exactly the way Joseph had foretold, except for the part that he would remember Joseph and help him get out of prison, was Joseph embittered, frustrated, suicidal, upset with God? No, because he was not basing his life walking by foresight nor operating that way. He was walking by faith. You cannot live controlled by hindsight. You cannot live controlled by foresight. The just shall live by faith. Too many Christians throwing faith out the door because now I'm older and I'm experienced. And I look back and meditate on my life in hindsight and see what I should have done, what I could have done, what I would have done. And now you can't even live today because you're reliving and trying to fix yesterday. Now you can't live today by faith because everything's so planned and calculated and fixed and prepared that God doesn't even fit in your budget. He doesn't fit in your plan. He doesn't fit into your retirement. He doesn't fit into your schedule. He just doesn't fit because you figured it out. Pastor, I have foresight. That's why I couldn't do anything additional at an admissions conference because I know what's around the corner and I understand what's taking place in, in, uh, with, with health insurance and all that's going up. My income's coming down and I've got to adjust and in order to properly honor God and my finances, I'm going to have to make these adjustments and calculate possibly what I can do next year. You've calculated the Holy Spirit right out of your life. And now, with the foresight that you have and brag about, you can't please God because God says, without faith, it is impossible to please Him. You don't find Joseph suddenly guided by foresight. He said, thank God for it. God is going to do exactly what he wants to do, and I'll be happy with what he does. Look what it said in chapter 41, verse 38. Let's talk about another monster called insight. How many of you ever met someone with insight? 
Have you met that person? Just willing to sit down with you and give you some unsolicited advice. Insight. Be careful because you get old enough, you're going to be that person. I guarantee you this, the hardest part of college is everyone has insight. Everyone knows exactly who you should marry, when you should do it, how much you should make, where you should work, what you should buy, what kind of car you should drive, how to maintain it, who to avoid, what crowd to run with, what ministries to get involved in. Everyone, Martha, is full of insight. But don't get too upset. You'll find yourself there soon enough. You'll be the one sitting down sharing your vast wealth of resources and wisdom. Now, Christians, I'm telling you, the very things that we hold in high esteem are enemies of faith. It's still living by sight. I don't care if it's hindsight, foresight, or insight. It's still living by sight. So everything that you thought you had learned, attained, gathered, gleaned, the ladder you thought you had climbed, the success that you had obtained, in the end could very well become your enemy because now with all the hindsight you have and the foresight and the insight, faith says, do I have any room in your life to operate? Oh, no. Now, let me ask you this. Go to Pharaoh when he calls Joseph out of prison and Joseph tells him the meaning of his dream and he says, you know, those skinny cows and those fat cows, that represents famine and abundance. And those, those, those fat cows mean we're going to have abundance and we need to gather while there is an abundance to prepare for the famine that's about ready to come. But you need someone that's wise and someone that's learned and someone capable of storing up food, preparing this nation for the disaster that's about ready to hit. And here's what Pharaoh says, chapter 41, verse 38. Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this is, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? That's quite the compliment. Can you imagine if we're looking across the United States and say, Can we find such a one as you? Can we find such a one as this man in whom the Spirit of God is? And Pharaoh said, For as much Joseph as God has showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Wouldn't it be an easy moment? Get a big head. I have looked all across Austin. I don't know anyone better prepared, more wise, with the Spirit of God, Spirit of discernment, Spirit of wisdom. We're talking about a young man that's 30 years old. How does this not go to his head? This is called incredible insight. Verse 54. The seven years of dearth began to come, according as Joseph has said. And the dearth was in all the lands, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. And when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. And Pharaoh said unto all the Egyptians, Go where? Go to Joseph. Joseph's a man. Joseph has insight. Joseph can save us. Better be careful, Jeremy. You're at a stage of life where you actually now have a little bit of insight. And someone with children is going to look you up and say, hey, help me out here. 
young person getting married, someone looking for work, someone wanting to make some money. Because now at this stage of life, someone is going to ask you for insight and instead of building their faith, we're going to expound on our own personal wisdom. Try to overwhelm them with my intelligence. Now this is the way life works and this is how success is obtained. And let me just tell you from my mistakes and my successes, the way things operate. You know what you better say? You better get in that book. You better get close to God. You better obey Bible principle. You better follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. You better live by faith. Because most Christians, after years 7, 8, 9, 10 of their Christian life, are not operating by faith, but by sight. But because it's insight, foresight, or hindsight, we're patting ourselves on the back. Because we have replaced faith with something more impressive. Let me ask you this. Can you say in all honesty, you're living by faith? I think we'd have to admit on a pretty consistent basis within my sight. We certainly hope that you've enjoyed this message today, but more importantly, we hope that the Lord has challenged you in some way to grow in your Christian life. For more information about our church, including directions and times of services, please visit our website at www.capitalcitybaptist.org.